tea and crumpets. <laughs> That's British, right? <laughs> and I'll do. I'll do my Aussie. Have I? Good eye, mate. Oh my god. <laughs> Oh, Can record God. a podcast? Welcome to Gamers of the Lost Ark, your place for deep delves into specific games and the amazing emotions that they bring forth with me, the host, Ryan, and my guest this week, Phonexus Talia. Yay. Hi. I'm <laughs> unbelievably over the moon to not only have met you, but to have you on the podcast, to have spoken to you and have you as a part of all of this because you're so intrinsically linked to Kaylee and myself and Instagram mm. and the community that that is there and you're a fantastic member of that and I hope you're okay you're all good yeah no, thank you for having me <laughs> and a bit I, nervous but we'll go we will be today breaking down Final Fantasy 7 the original mm-hmm. as well not the remake just the original Final B-O-G. Fantasy 7 um, mm-hmm. which has particular emotional weight with me and really means a lot to me, which I'm sure I'll, you know, badger on about as we go through the podcast and stuff. But mm-hmm. um, today, yeah, Talia, we, we're going to be breaking it down. Anything you want, characters, gameplay, aesthetics, music, of course, how can you miss that? You know, I anything know. about the game. It's just, this is my podcast that I literally don't particularly structure i just think go Mm. for it you know really just whatever comes to mind you've written plenty of notes as well so that's good you know you fire all the way through them and and if anything comes off or sprouts off any of that then fire away but you're all good yes yeah i'm all good is it bad that just my notes consist with cloud strife (laughs) (laughs) no not that's it that's gonna be that's gonna be the cast if if there's a if there's ever been a topic that should just be in Mm. any conversation at any time you know it's always cloud o'clock no matter what yeah you know to be able to talk about him swoon over him whatever you want you know he is a he, he is welcome a to the swoon hour. <laughs> yeah, they, we got the uh, the the cloud strife swoon hour. Um, mm. t- t- <laughs> tune in for lots of um, you know lots of in depth breakdowns on how great we think he is and <laughs> how beautiful we think he is and everything else. Um, but yes, yeah, so we've got the whole game to break down. It's a huge JRPG, so you know we've got a lot ahead of us. But we do. whatever first comes to mind, whatever your favorite things are, I'm I'm sure there's so many people right now who listen to the podcast who are so glad to be able to hear you, Talia, because uh-huh. it'll be a lot of, a lot of people's oh, first God. time hearing you. And I think that it's just, you know, it's just fantastic to hear. And thank you so much for coming on. But Final Fantasy Seven, what thoughts, feelings, emotions, storylines, characters, wherever you want to start, and we'll uh, and we'll fire away, basically. Well, that opening scene right like mm. right at the beginning when you first load in the game i mean yeah that speaks volumes for itself mm-hmm. just like having it load in and you had that that like 
like state of the art cutscene at the time. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The the bad nineties graphics. Mm-hmm. And then just loading in, I was just like, yes, I'm so ready to play this game. But I hadn't actually really played it first. I had watched my dad like start it. Yeah. Um on the PlayStation One. I'm just thought, oh, this game looks pretty cool. Like this is something that I want to play. And then stole the PlayStation One from him mm-hmm. and got my own memory card and then started <laughs> my own save. And then that just was like a majority of my childhood, like playing that game. It's it's mad and, for me, like that opening scene, like in particular, like you say, is it's the music that really mm. is just like it hits you immediately. Like it's it's one of possibly the most recognizable pieces of music for me ever. And mm. like that the way that the it like it it goes up and down and, and opens up to this city and it's just oh it's so fantastic and ends up sort of zooming in on the little flower girl doesn't it come or yeah. zooms out after that doesn't it but yeah oh so fantastic but yeah so so you took it off and, and played it by yourself like i'll just dive in and just quickly say the reason i have such a an affinity of this game myself which i'm sure will come um and i'll interject the different moments is because like you watching your dad i watched my brother play it Oh, okay. Because he's he's older than me. He's about thirty six, and I was really young at the time um, when I was watching. It. I was too young to play it. Really, it was like I couldn't really like get a grasp of it as well and stuff. But watching him play it was really really fun, and I used to love watching all the battle scenes and everything. But it like is it was like my brother's absolute favorite game. Like he mm. he like was obsessed to the point where he could. He remembers that on the train, if you running through the train at the start, you can go back because someone steals a bit of, of material from you as you go uh, yeah, through. To get and it all, back, yes. And all those little things, <laughs> like, you know, and he knows little random areas to pick it up and stuff. And, like, that was how, like, much he loved the game and how, and how strong it was. So, like, it was, like, almost the sound of it was, like, what brings me back to my, my childhood. Like, you know, I can almost hear it coming out of my brother's room, you know? That, mm. that fight music or whatever but anyway yes so you took it upon yourself to play which is cool um and did you just go just straight into it you just smashed on i had gone because my dad was pretty slow with playing it so i would get to the part where he would be so i would pretty much know that from watching him and then yeah. then it became unknown territory and back then like you didn't really have walkthroughs or anything that you could just go online and (laughs) jump on google like where do i get this (laughs) so it's just like oh trial and error Mm -hmm. i I mean i think there was like a book that i bought from a news agency that was some sort of guide to the game like where to find certain material and what characters were um recruitable and stuff like that so it was just learning by doing unfortunately but it's a fun experience yeah, for sure. And so what particularly, especially early thoughts, because I'm guessing you played it again. Oh, many times. Many times, yeah, which is good. Like, I just wanted to make sure it wasn't just that you played it to begin with. But like, so you played it many times, but what particularly about the early memories and that early playthrough that like really sticks out to you? Was like, was it particular things you particularly enjoyed doing, like the combat or whatever else? I mean, in general... It's just a whole memorable experience, but I think like the mini games that are like scattered through 
the entire game, mm. that just like broke up the monotony of, oh, you go here, you have battles, yes. you get stronger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, and then there was like the Chocobo racing, or you'd go to Gold Saucer and you'd just play arcade games and stuff like that. Those sorts of things. Yeah. And the other mini games throughout the story, I think those were my favorite things to do. And then when I replayed it, I'd be like, oh, I'm coming up to the mini game again. Yay. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just go it, off. It's cool that they, it breaks it up in that way, or it's like, it's it, you know, I guess it would be like a side quest to a degree, you know, stuff like that. It's like yeah. those those kind of things where you can go off and do it and get involved. I never, like my brother racing the Chocoboos is something that really, really like sticks out in my memory of him. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I think you can is it you either I can't remember exactly because because basically I played it up until about when you know just after the like make a reactor or whatever just at the start I've started the game so many times I've played it start so many times and I've always just like ended up diving off of it but I, I've watched so much of it like my brother and stuff and mm. like I remember him having to like interbreed the chuckaboo or something and then get like a black chuckaboo which is the fastest or something and he was this like, "This is where my like completionist will like kick in because I had to have one of each color in ah, my chocobo stable. Okay, so, so you that's start so off right, with like yeah? a yellow, yeah. And eventually, I think the black was like the second. I think that was like A rank, and then you could get the golden one that could just do everything and was <laughs> really fast. Yeah, when yeah. you raced it. So, what sticks out at you about the chocobo racing? Given that we've sort of dove, dove in that direction. Oh my god, do you rem- how did you remember the noises like? The badly audio, like, <laughs> squawks that they would do when they were running. Ugh, I would hear that in my sleep. But <laughs> it was just, I just, such nostalgia and just the races itself and just getting to that point where you didn't even have to use any, like, boost abilities to just go off on the race yeah. and just getting all the prizes and just feeling accomplished. <laughs> yep. It's cool, though, that they're, like, they, they went so deep with something just as, as, crazy as like a sort of racing like mini game mm. you know effectively that they went as deep as like being able to read them or being able to like you know get different levels of them and all these different things and stuff which is really cool and never mm. forget it almost like the music like sounds like really like arcadey as well mm. like when you're racing them and stuff which i thought was really really cool and always used to like kind of country arcade yeah of. that's it yeah it was cool it was like almost like being a, a cowboy kind of vibe. Yeah, yeah, it was it was cool though. I like that. Mm. Um but yeah, so so the mini games is something else that, that sticks out particularly to you, which is cool. Um anything else that like as you explored the world, I guess, that stuck out to you. Uh just how open it was. I remember thinking I was quite limited to like when you first start and you could only go anywhere by foot. Yeah. But then it slowly was like you can get that little buggy that let you go through shallow water mm-hmm. and then you got the broken ship that allowed you to go across the ocean and eventually you would get the high wing and you could go anywhere. Yep. So it's just like just kept adding on how like far you could explore and then if you knew where to look, there were like other places that weren't really much of like part of the story, but they were there and you could go explore them and you'd have some sort of reward for doing so like extra material or equipment and it was like really cool because you wouldn't have known if you weren't just exploring the open world which was good it's like my first like exposure to something that wasn't so limited yeah and and i I think it's 
like me and Katie spoke about it on the podcast the other day, where we were saying about how, especially with games that are older, like because of limitations at the time and technology and everything, that you couldn't have like a horizon or something where you can just like literally, hey, see that mountain over there, I'm going to go there. But it actually felt mm. like that. Yeah. Like, like I remember when my brother opened up that big map and like it just felt like so vast like you could just mm. go anywhere and do anything and like i remember him flying the the i forget sorry you said the name a second ago the like blimp around the high, wing, stuff, yeah. the high wing and i was just like oh it's so cool because it just felt like you could go anywhere and do anything and it was so like sprawling mm. and massive and i almost like remember it like a horizon like it was an open world you know as opposed to mm. being like a kind of top-down map like it really is if you kind of look at it now you know what i mean um which is cool i really like it but um and it would have like those subtle it, i don't remember it having like big environment changes but it would cycle through night and day yeah just so subtly and it was just it still was like oh wow have i been doing a lot it's already yeah. nighttime but it didn't really factor too much into the game but <laughs> yeah it was a nice little touch that they did that yeah that's super cool so on your notes like I say, mm-hmm. just fire away. Whatever, whatever's next, keep keep it coming. Keep it coming at me, um, and just tell me whatever's whatever, you know, um, particular things like stand out as being close to your heart about it. You know. Well, I have actually literally written Cloud here, but that's more so his his character development, like mm-hmm. through the entire game, is like one of the ones that stood out to me the most because he just goes. You you spend that entire game watching him grow, yeah, and then just become like a different person, and it's just and he realizes that and finding himself and just being on that journey that really sticks out. I mean, all the characters really stick out. There's not one that I don't really like. They're all quite yeah, memorable. Yeah, sure. They and I think that's why this game particularly stands out in so many people's minds is because the like the characters really are so memorable, you know. Mm. Um, but we'll break down Cloud because yeah. I think he's so amazing. And one of the things that intrigues me is that um, my brother like always used to say to me that one of the best things about Final Fantasy VII was that because it was so text-based that you could apply your own imagination to it to a degree. You know, you you had your own voice inside your head that would have been Cloud and Barra and everything else, like reading a book, you know, Um and oh my god yes <laughs> did you did you name him cloud and keep him as cloud or did you rename him i remember keeping him as cloud <laughs> and this is this is gonna be sad but i renamed tifa myself ah, every cool. game i had to do it i'm just like nah i gotta put myself in here somehow yeah yeah for sure like rather than my brother would call cloud matthew and then, oh. <laughs> and then would have everyone else the same, you know, keep everyone else mm. the same names and stuff, which is cool. Um, but yeah, like his him as a as a character is like he's so like aesthetically cool. Like even mm. in that game and everything, like I love when you go into the battles and how dope he looks when he's doing all of his like limit breaks and everything. Like oh, like it just is something that just calls me right back to like. I remember, like, I would go down and pretend to be him, 
downstairs like and i would like swinging the sword around yeah like i do the whole thing you know like you know like when he used to like put his put his sword like he puts his sword in his back and then does like the like f- like puts his fist forward doesn't he it's one of his limit breaks i can't remember what that's called yeah <laughs> but, he, but he like does that and i used to like pretend to do that in the front room at like i must be real oh, young too i must have been like baby ryan yeah literally like eight nine years old or something like maybe maybe less and i used to do that in the front room and pretend i was him and stuff um and I and I never ever forget because I, I will probably chime in at random points about how you know how much this game is intrinsically linked to me. But I dressed up as Cloud as a in, oh my god really because <laughs> we used to have like a a thing like in school for like a like in my primary school was like a or, or like early early young young kids school that I don't know what it's called over there. Um, you guys called it primary school in Australia? Yeah, primary school. Oh, okay, yeah. So we had like primary school, uh, and there was this there's thing that like we dressed up as a character and I was like desperate to dress up as cloud. And there was a, mm. a young girl called um, Serena in my class and she dressed up as Tifa, which was cool. Oh, um, bless. Yeah. It's super, super dope. And I had my brother, because he works at like a private school, he had the DT technician cut me a buster blader out of wood. Oh, wow. That was my pride and joy. I loved <laughs> it. I loved it so much. It was so cool. I wish nothing more than to have that back. And I remember that I snapped it because it was so <gasps> it was so top heavy. It was very small. They only, he only made a small one. But you know, you can imagine like a big bit of wood on a small bit of wood and it like the handle snapped off. But it Aww. had the two holes and everything. You know, it was like the proper buster blader, which is super cool. But um yeah, so I very much wanted to be Cloud. You know, I very Did much. Did you get the that, hair? Yeah, well, no, no, <laughs> you can't, can you? But I remember being very stressed to get my mum trying to do my hair like it. But you know, there's no oh. gel, there's no gel or hairspray on earth that can get your hair to look like that and be as cool. Hopes and, and dreams. Else. Oh my god, what I would do to have his hair right now, I can't even tell you. I know. Like I wake up like this. Oh. Yeah, I know. He, he's so cool. <laughs> but yeah, so. Like, as as a character, like, what stands out to you about his story or about who he was or anything like that that, like, really stays with you or is close to your heart? I feel like it set the premise for all the other men, like, characters that I like because he's that stoic, very much I'm here to do business kind of yeah. character right at the beginning. Like, I'm not here to make friends. Yeah. I'm here to <laughs> make my gold and go home. But everyone wants to talk to me. It's like a big mood. And it's just like, back then, I'm just like, oh, he's cool. Like, looking back at it now, I'm like, he's just, I identify with him. He just does not have the energy to deal with these people. He just wants to get on with life. And at the time, that's like, yeah, he was so cool. But then seeing him kind of open up to, like, Aerith a bit more when you first meet her in the game, like, he's... He's a bit softer with Tifa when you meet her, but it's still kind of like more so that friendship because they were childhood friends, but like a complete stranger, he was like able to warm up to a little bit and just let his guard down and seeing that, I'm like, oh my God, he's a cinnamon roll. Yeah. He's so precious. (laughs) And he's, it's the the revelation of the fact that he's like, really the reason he's kind of as removed as he is to a degree, even though I guess like when you play that early scene, when he's, when he's leaving to join soldier and, Mm. and uh, he's talking to Tifa and stuff on the, on the, the water basin or whatever it is that, um, yeah, he's still kind of got that stoic kind of like, you know, I'm coming, I'm going to do my own thing and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that but it's the fact that you know end up revealing that he's been through so much pain and stuff yeah and losing his best friend and all that kind of stuff which is like just gives him this depth you know which is so yeah. cool but yeah so you so he he ends up becoming a hero doesn't he you know and do you like that unwanted that? You like... hero yeah yes like, yes it's thrusted it. upon him and he's mm-hmm. just like all right yeah whatever which is, yeah which is cool though isn't it to uh to have as a you know it, it ends up making him uh like i don't know it, it's like you said it's like a it's really like he is like i think Geralt is a lot like this in the witcher where he's like this kind of removed but like you know he he has all of the they right... still kind of joy it yeah like that's it like deep down you know really they're a good guy even though they like they kind of have this like standoffish like oh you know i do it because i have to but really Mm. you know that they're good and that they would do it anyway you know and uh, that they'll secretly take the praise yeah and that's really happy about it what's your Mm. what's your favorite moments with cloud or your favorite memories particularly about his character oh my god the (laughs) cross-dressing area (laughs) Uh, that's like that's the first one that came out because I remember when I first played it, it was just, it was my first time being exposed to something like that too. Like, it's like, oh, what? He's getting, he's dressing as a woman. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh my God, I want him to slay this. And then yeah. seeing his tight, like those pixelated um, graphics and seeing like the slightest little pigtail, yeah. like when he's wearing the dress, <laughs> is that so good? And then, I mean, because I'm playing the remake to have that, see that now. Yeah. It's just like, wow, they really went off on it. But <laughs> remembering everything, because like I said, with mini games, that whole yeah. thing was like drenched with mini games. But also seeing how far Cloud would go to help, yes. Tifa, yeah, it's like more bless. Ugh. But I remembered making it my mission to get picked by the Dom. Yep, I was just like, no, Cloud <laughs> needs to be picked because every time I would do it, he would either pick Aerith or Tifa. Yeah, and then. It was like, no, you have to get all like the best of the best things from all the mini games, and I, so I would knuckle down and try and do it, and I finally got it. When it gets picked, I was just like, oh, I've peaked in life. I've achieved so much. Yeah, that's and, fantastic. But, uh, that yeah. Other than that, he does have like other like memorable scenes with other characters, hmm. like his whole interaction with Avalanche. Like with yep. Jesse, Biggs, and Wedge. Yeah. I enjoyed that because they were very much, pretty much, like, you're one of us, and he did not want a bar of it. But at the same time, he did. We would hang out with them and just chill and help them. And when they were like, oh, you're so cool. And, like, you're the, like, you're the merc, basically. Yeah. And you can, like, sense from him. It's like, yes, I'm very happy about this. But he didn't want to express it. Just those sort of the little things. Yep. And his interaction with the girls. Oh. With Tifa particularly and with and with Aerith. I really enjoyed him with Aerith more so because it was a different side of him. Because you never yeah. really... I mean... There's no real romance in the game and it hints towards it. Yeah. But it's just like, oh, I really want Cloud to be with Aerith because they just seem natural. But then he's just got like this nurturing 
relationship with Tifa that just seems good as well. Yeah, it's like Jennifer like... and Tris all over again. Yeah, <gasps> that's it. Yeah, Tifa's like the old girl next door, isn't she? Mm. You know, the the girl that you grew up with, as was like a, a uh, you know, you always have that deep connection with, and you know, it's cool though. And she clearly loves Cloud, you know. Mm. Um, and I like the fact that you can flirt with her or whatever if you yeah. choose. You know, like I I remember early doors, you can have the choice whether you're like you sleep with her, don't you, or not? Like in the bed, I mean, you know. Like sleep in their room, yeah. Yeah, that's it. And you can kind of like either be all like, oh, no, it's fine, I'll go off and do my own thing. Or you can like really sort of like flirt with her and be like, no, I want to be with you, you know, or whatever, which is cool. You know, it's cool that they allow for that. And like you said, it's cool that he then opens up to Eris the way that he does and ends up having such an emotional attachment to her mm. um, and then goes through the loss with Eris as well, you know, which is... Oh. No, Obvi- I'm not ready to talk about obviously that. <laughs> the one of the the greatest um, or most tragic <sighs> gaming moments ever, you know. My heart, yeah, and I can't um, handle it. <laughs> accompanied with just you know the most heartbreaking music as well. Oh um, my god, that music! The, oh, like the the music throughout the game entirely, but we'll, we'll go to the music at some point. But we'll stay with cloud until we've sort of until you feel like you've said what you need to say about him before we move on um but yeah particularly you know what do you think about that scene with him and how you felt for him and everything in that that was like the first kind of moment in a game that made me cry and Mm. just and it was more so because when the initial thing happened it wasn't like oh god i'm sad for that it was seeing like cloud be sad for like the first time in game and seeing like even like because the graphics were just like it was left to your imagination but seeing like the slightest tremble in him like just imagining his voice being shaky and yeah just raw and him like holding Aerith and just seeing him break down that's what triggered me to start crying because it's just so weird to see him in such a raw state yeah. And it was just like, holy shit, like, did this just happen? No. And it's like, oh, poor Cloud. And then it's just an emotional roller coaster from there where it's just, and then seeing him get angry and just mm-hmm. irrational and just going through the cycles of like loss, basically, yeah. quite quickly. Yeah. It's just such a strong moment. And it was just, I, I get goosebumps just talking about it because it's oh, just it, even it, <laughs> it like really in is. that scene. <laughs> it's like God. it's one of those things where you know it immediately it just like brings about emotion it's it's one of those like magical moments as well where like i think even if like just totally independently like let's say like for example you just you i could show it to like one of my friends that's never played and they it's mm. just it like the way that the music works you just mm. feel the emotion of what's going on and the like when he like you know gently puts her in the water and everything it's just like it's so devastating and you can feel it. And like, I think that's cool that like, particularly I've, I've spoken to people before that have been like, they have been really sad for Eris dying, but it's cool that mm. I like to have the perspective of the fact that you're more like, you were like sad for cloud. Mm. Cause it my was brother just... was always team Tifa. You know, he was always like Aww. unbelievably team Tifa, but he, I guess like, you know, he would always talk about that scene and talk about how sad it was because it was, you know, Again, sad for Cloud, you know. 
it makes me sound heartless, but like, like it was sad. The act, like what happened to her, but it just emphasized, yeah, with Cloud's reaction to it. And yeah, like you said with the music, because I remember it when he was cycling through, like realizing that she was gone and that he's like never going to hear her, her speak or anything again. And I remember the music; it was just like that low flute, and all of a sudden, like that orchestrated kind of yeah part when he was like holding her it's like mm -hmm. ah literally goosebumps um but <laughs> so fantastic it was just that yeah everything in that scene worked it was just it's so memorable and then yeah just putting her in the water and then it just going black and it's like you finished disc one please insert yes. disc two yeah it's just like moment. way to remind yeah. me water way to bring moment. me back to earth yeah definitely which is so cool, you know, and it's just played out so, so well. And I just mm. think that it's like, it will always stand in my mind as being one of the most emotional moments in video games ever. And like how tenderly it's told. And it's just real. It's like really real. His reaction's real. Mm. Like the music particularly just makes you feel this like unbroidled amount of emotion. And like the shock of, you know, Sephiroth like almost going through with it is like just mad and it's so like you know it's, it's it is like that game of thrones moment isn't it of just like <gasps> oh yeah you know? oh my god uh, yeah yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> and you feel that and i guess like once you've played it as well like you have even more like i have so much emotional attachment to it and i remember like you know watching my brother play so much of it but there's only been so much i've been able to catch and like Mm. Yet still, I have such emotional attachment to it now. But like, I can can't even imagine if like I'd have had all those like little intrinsic conversations with Varys and everything that like lead to that moment, you know? Mm. Which is amazing because there's like that one scene, like when she goes to that area where she's talking to Cloud, and she's just like, "Oh, I'm gonna protect you. I'm gonna protect the planet." Yeah, and she's just being very sweet and. It's just like, it's going to be okay. And then she, that's when she like runs off in that forest and then Cloud's just even more worried. Yeah. And it just amplifies that we need to go save her. And then that all happens and you're just like, what? What, what just happened? But yeah. also I remember, because there was like, I remember there was like a save point right before the battle and I would cycle through, I would take different companions because they would react differently oh, after really? like that's the death cool. scene. That's because cool. depending on who you had, like t every time, like you would have Tifa, Tifa would like just literally ball her eyes out and like throw herself on Cloud and like hugged and then had to be pushed away. Mm -hmm. The Barrett would just like look and like just look at her, and you could tell, like even though he wasn't doing anything, just yeah. how he is as a character. Yeah, Barrett and all the other ones. Barrett because. I, I remember Barrett, like, I, I, whether it was just a YouTube one I watched or whatever, but I remember Barrett being involved. And because Barrett's such a manly man, mm. that's like, you know, it's, it, I don't know whether, you know, this, this is often the case that I always feel where it's like, you know, someone's 
like dad especially if they're quite like a manly guy like almost seeing your dad cry that's like kind yeah. of like what it's like with barrett where it's like you know or seeing like you know it's just someone who's like a real manly man and just you would keep his emotions to himself totally at all times <laughs> like yeah almost see it. like you know someone you know would cry in life or whatever like when you see them cry you're always like oh that's sad but someone you know holds it together when they break you're like oh you know that's when yeah. you're really like oh no like he's crying oh, damn. Like, this is really real you know which is mm. cool you know um but yeah so that moment of course we could probably talk about for the rest of the podcast is fantastic but i know anything else particularly that stands out about about cloud and his character arc and stuff that's happened that happens to him or just particularly character-based stuff with cloud that that you want to just go through before we move on to other characters or move on to the rest of the game i also enjoyed like the like the breaking of like basically him realizing i don't want to be like can i say too much is this going to be too spoilery for people i'm Go assuming people would have played this. Go for it. like, like the, when you the, realize that it, it's certainly you i would more so want people to come to this game because they want the nostalgia kick than for like to find out but if you're listening <laughs> and, and you have gotten to this point and you haven't played final fantasy 7 then what have you been doing yeah the, go then, play it. then go ahead and and, and play it because it's fantastic but obviously i haven't played it myself but i'm more than happy to go and spoil territory because i've watched so much i've watched the ending i've watched all the cut scenes or different cut scenes and stuff you know um so yeah just just fire away talia because you know this is the, <laughs> this is the place for it you know i want people to be able to come here and after they played it and you know for it to stand the test of time in that way so just yeah go for it uh well, then just basically him realizing, like, going through that, like, identity crisis because he had Zach's memories for, like, the longest time. Yeah. And then him being like, holy shit, like, have I been, like, am I my own person? Am I just a clone? But then realizing, no, he is, like, he is his own person and then realizing it mm-hmm. and then getting all of his memory back and then reliving everything because you would originally relive it his memories through Zach's perspective. Yep. And like right near the end. I can't remember. I think it was on like disc three. Something, something happens to cloud and he basically becomes, um, wheelchair ridden and he's like, he's lost his memories and he can't talk or anything like that. All right. And he's taken out of your party for a while. But then there's like this whole like little mini game when you play as Tifa and you help him, piece back his memories that's cool and then you're like realizing hey you still were here you were just the person that you were remembering that was zach but you were still here you were like this other person here in the in this situation mm. you're not a clone of him like you will you actually lived this moment as well yeah. and him realizing that and coming back and being like yes i'm cloud basically yeah. And getting ready to like square off with Sethros. That was just like I remember whenever I got to that part, it's just like, oh this is gonna be another emotional roller coaster, but I'm I'm here for it. Yeah. And and do you like the flashback scenes and stuff? It was. Um it I enjoyed it because it kind of it gave insight to Tifa's how she grew up, but also yeah. like why she's the way she is now. Yeah. Um you also got like snippets of Sethroth through yeah. Cloud's memories, but also it was their way of you also learning about the villain as well and his basically decline into madness mm-hmm. and becoming the actual villain. 
and why he's so linked to Cloud. Yes. Because, and they do that very well in the remake as well, because it's quite similar to how it happened in the original, where it's like, oh, that's cool. He gets a headache, and that's when like he'll have the flashes of Sephiroth, or he'll have flashes of his memories from his past. Yeah. I particularly like remember never... a scene where like it's him and Zack in the back of a truck or something. Yeah, have, I think like, that... a very deep conversation. I think that's one of the like when it, Cloud finally realizes that yeah. he was actually there and yeah, he's talking to Zack. Because the best thing I love about Final Fantasy VII, because I think it's one of the one games from the entire franchise that they've just invested so much in because there's so many spin-off games because there's crisis core which focuses on zach so you get playing that you get a little bit more story from seven as well because they have Mm -hmm. scenes from seven in it so just learning about it it makes you go oh who's zach i want to learn about zach a bit more definitely and just seeing the similarities between them but they're still quite different as well yeah, that's super, super cool. So hmm. I didn't know that you went back and like done his memories and stuff. That's such a cool mechanic, you know, to be able to like help him back to find his way back to who, who he is, you know, and realizing that, that that's important and stuff. That's really, really cool. Yeah, you would like, you would run around his teeth and you would go from like his childhood memory to when he first came back as a soldier Cool. And other memories like that, and he'd be talking to Tifa as if he was like watching his memory, like on a TV or something. Oh, and that's then really cool. She'd be like, "No, that she'll like reassure him or listen to him." And then basically, once you completed each stage of the memory, like his little psyche self would go into the middle, and they'd all like merge together once you completed all the memories. Cool. To form like Cloud's actual mind. Like coming back together. That's so. Cool. I'm assuming that's what they were going for. There's but so much like depth in it. You know, there's yeah. just like this kind of endless depth to this game that, like, especially in the in the latter stages of it and stuff. Like when you get into that open world and you can go to these different places and explore these different characters and pick these different characters up and stuff. Like even mm. I remember doing a, a podcast at one point where I sort of broke down just Final Fantasy in general, like a, a real big Final Fantasy fan on, and he was talking about like Red Thirteen's history and stuff, which is really cool. Oh. Which is just like I love red. Just, just you get to that kind of place, even just with like a side character like that, you know, that they have so much depth, and I think that's just like it's so amazing that they, that they, there's so much like depth and like intrinsic storytelling and stuff at, at every junction mm. in this game, which is amazing. But yeah, so anything else particularly you want to mention about Cloud before we move on? I think that's it for Cloud. He's yeah, yeah. He's just shut. He's just fantastic, and obviously, I'm sure he's just amazing. Pop up Those in the others, arms. but naturally, we'll we'll move on to. <laughs> he's he's a beautiful guy. <laughs> he's he is uh you know don't distract you just, me. You just you just can't can you you know he, he just it. I Swim. definitely like he he was someone that I was just like ah oh, you know he definitely was like he's so like you just crush on him can't you you know. And that and just question how I can swing around that Buster Sword. Like, yeah, how are you yeah, doing? Like swing this? me what? around, can you? <laughs> yeah, can I be that Buster Sword? <laughs> oh god, hundred percent, hundred percent. Okay, so <laughs> we we'll segue into Sephiroth. You know, we'll segue mm. into to him as a villain and stuff. Um, because of course, any great villain 
having a great uh like backstory or motive is cool and mm. makes them like deeper there's nothing cooler than like having a deep villain of like why they're doing what they're doing mm. um and what do you think is Sephiroth in general apart from you know the fact that he's got the coolest music of any villain ever in history oh the metal version of his same song it just it hits he um i enjoyed learning about him because originally you kind of get Sethroth in the middle of him like realizing everything because in crisis core that's where he's kind of like at his most normal and then final fantasy 7 is when he's slowly learning about himself and what yeah. happened to him and then the descent basically into him trying to recreate Genova and destroy the planet basically yes and, and it's the black materia it's cool though that he kind of comes to this realization that he's like a tool mm. you know in in like a, a greater scheme and then rebels against it you know um it's like i don't want to do that yeah i don't want the wanna... same time yeah <laughs> It, like it, the way the way in which obviously he goes about it is is what makes him the villain, um, uh, but it's it's almost understandable to think of why he got to where he got mentally, mm. you know. And like all the like, carnage that he can do without yeah. feeling anything, basically. Because yeah, to Cloud and everyone, he's a monster. He's look at all this slaughtering and yeah. carnage he's doing, but to him, like he's. It's for the greater good. It's for what he believes in, basically. And mm -hmm. I wasn't like this. They did this to me, basically. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And it's very it's much just... like you know, I I was created. You know, it's not mm. it's not me. So you know, it's like it's not good. It's kind of something like um, I don't, I don't know how into Pokemon you are. But it's kind of kind of Mewtwo about him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> very Mewtwo esque. Yeah, for sure. There's something that kind of like the same kind of thing where it's like you know I'm this you know abomination to a degree mm. but also that kind of makes me angry at the world you know? yeah um <laughs> like how dare you yeah how do yeah, you make it. me yeah um but yeah so what particular things stand out on your memory about sephiroth other than his big ass sword mm. it's just he had even when he was like in that like semi crazy state he had such a presence like even yeah. though he didn't he he like came across like not stoic, but he didn't speak too much like throughout Cloud's memories. And when he did, it was very like mission based. It was very cold. Like yeah. you didn't get much personality from him, but it still like weighed in. It still had a bit of kick to it because it's like oh, Sethros is talking. Like oh, Sethros is doing something. Like look, yeah. everyone, yeah. kind of thing. I remember the first time. Um, because when Tifa gives you the tour up to the reactor, you have a battle. I'm like, oh shit, I'm not gonna be able to fight anything by myself. But like, it pans out and you see Sethroth's name there, and he's got like higher HP than you. He he kills everything in one <laughs> hit, and I'm just like, whoa, this yeah. guy's badass. Yeah, hundred percent. He's like. With the presence, like it's those glowing emerald eyes that are mm. just like, oh, like and even in that older art style of the PlayStation One, the more blocky art style, like they kind of like, mm. like look, they like it feels like he's looking into your soul, you know. 
and he's and it like he has that presence of being like something that I think particularly stands out to me for Final Fantasy Seven that really is something that you just can't kind of like you can't simulate it. It's something that you just either are or you're not. And like him and Cloud are just effortlessly cool. They're like yeah. effortlessly like just every time you see him, you're like, oh, cool. You're so dope. Like you're so like, you know, like everything you do is cool, but it's almost like it's not even like they try. It's just they have it. You know, like when you see like a singer on stage and you're just like, they've got it. Like, mm. you know, you've either got it or you don't. You can't. And you've got people who like might be kind of have it or, you know, people that totally don't, but like they just have it. And they're just, it, there's something about Sephiroth just as a character and as like a presence, like you said, which I really like as a, as a concept of like, you, know, you feel him in the world and you feel his like energy. And every time you see him or think about him or anything happens with him, that he is just like badass and scary and stuff mm. like that, which is super cool to have as a villain. Yeah, that one scene that sticks with me, like that's very villain-esque, is when he burns down the mansion mm. and like Cloud comes running out and he's checking in on everyone. He's like really confused as to what's happened. And it's that scene where Seth Ross just stares at him through the flames yeah. and walks away and it was just like, damn, he's scary. Yeah. What the hell's happening? <laughs> yeah, he's so cool. And like, I, I have to obviously break down the music a bit more because mm. it's, you know, I know that you know, it, there's there's so much to, to like about all the different music, but Sephiroth's theme particularly is something it's iconic. It just like, it's one of the most beautiful pieces of music, music for building. It like mm. builds to this like in the end yeah, but like exactly. you know you're like whoa and like you know but but before that it's like how it like it really like bit like builds to that and there's that kind mm. of like and and there's something that embodies like you said that presence about the music and it, it comes with that and it's just like oh my god what a tune like at any moment and the fact that that what what this game does so well for especially because we're talking about the original is that like it was all done on synth and stuff it was all done on like you ah. know, like it was all like you know it's it's not done with percussion or anything mm. you know it's all like but yet you still feel the percussion in there it's like you you mm. almost like you know when you hear it but it's still the old version you know like the the opening scene is like do 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 even when you hear it in that old kind of like um it's like synthesizer that when you hear it in that, it's almost like you can hear the piano and you can hear the violins and everything. It's really weird how they just managed to do that, but like how yeah. they and it still feels so epic, even though it is just like on a synth and it's quite like um, metallic almost or like um, glitchy. The soundtrack, the original soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. actually, yeah, glitchy is a yeah. perfect term for it. <laughs> I had no idea because I always thought because yeah, his theme song. I always thought it was orchestrated. But then, like, when you actually hear it, when they've, like, remade it and yeah. have an actual orchestra do it, it's like, oh, it's wow. Like, it's like the whole the whole soundtrack's kind of, like, I don't think it actually is, but it's kind of, like, veering on, like, 16-bit or 8-bit. Like, oh. it's, it's that's where it kind of, like, it has that old-fashioned kind of video game-y sound. Mm. That, but it also has these, like, amazing, like, orchestral and, like, deep 
you know even even this this scene with Eris and everything like the yeah. way it plays out and all that like it's it's embroiled in emotion and everything but at the same time like it you know it, it really is just a synth and stuff which oh, is cool but i think it's a synth yeah. anyway it sounds like it um or it's just done on like a computer or whatever i think it might be done on keyboard or whatever but like either way it's just so cool Mm. Um, but yeah, like I think that that soundtrack for me particularly is like it brings about that presence of Sephiroth as well, um, that makes him so cool. And, and I think we'll just stop off quickly on Sephiroth if if you want to. Like, how mm. do you feel when you faced off against him in the end and you beat him and stuff? Because at, at the end, you can. I don't think you can lose that battle. I'm pretty sure you can't. Yeah, because you forgot like your last limit break and you've got your ultimate weapon at the end. Mm-hmm. And just like like when you finally like kill him, it's like, is he dead? Yeah, I've gone through this entire game. I feel like he's not, but <laughs> this feels big. I feel like I have, but there's always like at the time when it first happened, I it just felt like, yes, I've saved the world basically. Yes. But now looking back at it now, it's like, is he really dead? I know that games have twists and turns and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when it was first happened, it was just like so tense because I'm like, oh god, I got to face off against him. Because you have to, it's basically you cycle through his forms where he's the big giant like creature looking thing, mm. and you have to cycle through that. And then once you defeat him in that form, he becomes his winged creature form. Yeah, that's really more powerful. And then once you defeat that, that's when you get him in his human form. So it's just like. Yeah, I'm gonna find something else after this. Yeah. Mm. yeah, and I think that I I remember particularly my brother finishing it, and there's that moment where like, you know, he does that he does that limit break, doesn't he? Where he uses all different swords. Um, mm. What's that called? Uh, Cloud or Sephiroth? Clouds limit break. You know, uh, he uses think... all the different swords or whatever. Uh, it's Omi slash Oni slash. And I don't think he uses different swords. He just like he slashes. Like manically, yeah. Omni slash, I think that's what it's called. And there's another, but there's, I swear, there's another one where like it almost feels like he's like kind of like surrounded in swords, and then Cloud like flies up in the air and like almost uses different swords for each attack. Or am I wrong? I swear, there's something where it's like it feels like the the enemy's like in the air, and maybe that's just Omni slash. I might just be like it's just it's my memory, but I swear you go up and you like almost like you slash through Sephiroth loads of times to kill him. Like really, only slash really... does like slash into him, but I think he uses the one sword. Yeah, from memory, there is like Knights of the Round Table, which is like yeah, someone. Knights of the Round Table. Yes, that's the one I'm thinking of. That used to be one of the coolest limit breaks my brother used yeah. to use. But the one, the one sword is where he breaks into. Is it the one that breaks into different swords or not? Or is it just, is or is one. it just where he slashes him right up? With slashes it? him like he goes manic. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, because I remember that, like it, like for me, especially being as young as I was when I was watching it, it really, like you know, it was a testament to how like hard Sephiroth was, of just mm. like you know how many like slashes and hits and everything have you got to do to like really bury this guy, you know, mm. and it was and it was very like obviously it's a Japanese RPG, so it's like 
it, it felt so like manga, you know, that like ultimate yeah. huge Dragon Ball Z, like who's got the bigger, hugest thing that can really wipe the other person out. You know, it was like, <laughs> yeah. it was like this ultimate power thing of like, you know, Cloud had to be so powerful to at that point, you know, like there was no kind of, um, you, you know, no, no room for being weak or anything there. You had to be like the ultimate Cloud to beat him and stuff. Which That's is cool. it. I had you know, to which... have like the final weapon. I had to have all the yeah maxed out materia like that's yeah. how it felt like it had to be to yes beat Sethoroth. which is cool okay so we'll we'll um not necessarily quick fire but we'll just go through any other character the other characters that particularly stand out to you that you want to talk about i did you ever did your brother ever get vincent vincent valentine yep he was another cool one he yep. was one that you could like him and yuffie I mm-hmm. thought were really cool because you could potentially go through the game without even getting them. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you could still get Yuffie because eventually you'd have to go to Wutai mm-hmm. and she would be there. But Vincent, completely like side character, you could go through the game without getting him if you weren't looking, which I thought was really cool because when I found him, I'm just like, mm-hmm. I think I found him on my second playthrough because I hadn't got him on my first one and he's in because the, it's so he's intricate in, like, the sarcophagus isn't he yeah and you have to go through the mansion because there's there's a key and a safe and then you have to defeat the boss in the safe and then you have to go down into the basement and that key would unlock his room and he's in the sarcophagus and he wouldn't join you at first but then he does after that but then like learning his backstory and how he's part of the turks and how he, I think he became an experiment for Hojo. Yeah. And then that's where he comes in and like learning all about him and his story. That was cool. And he gets killed, doesn't he? And then brought back to mm. life as a Basically vampire. by yeah. Hojo and yeah. that was cool. And Red 13. Red 13 is one of my absolute favorite characters because it was just like that first time seeing a character that wasn't human. Mm. But it's just like, why is he talking? Yeah, <laughs> and then like yeah. learning his backstory. But one of the things that stood out the most was when you go back to Cosmo Canyon mm. and his grandfather, like, because originally Red 13 has like such a hatred towards his dad because he believed that he like abandoned him. Mm. And then his grandfather was like, you need to learn this to move on. But in order to do it, you have to go through these trials and they're quite difficult. And he unlocks like this area for you. But then he follows you through that whole area and he like you find you learn a bit of like Red Thirteen's backstory and his dad and everything. Cause like right at the end you see his dad and he's like turned into stone. Mm-hmm. And Red Thirteen's so confused by it and he's like, Oh, he actually s- sacrificed himself to save the canyon basically. And he was turned to stone for it. And like that moment of Red Thirteen like realizing that and just you were there to experience it with him. It just, that stood out to me. I love that whole area. I just love Red 13 in general. He's such a good character. It's such mad an though, interesting it? design. Yeah, it's, it's mad that like, it, you know, they go as deep as they do with these characters as well, you know? Like, they did. Like, and a lot of people talk about like games like Mass Effect and Bioware games and stuff about like really having like characters that have big backstories like Dragon Age and Knights of the Republic and stuff mm. like that where you can really like, you can go on like 
off of the main story almost to go to these other like characters and help them with their problems and their lives and like mm. stuff that's happened to them and learn more about them and stuff and like that's just fantastic that so early like this game was so ahead of its time like that's there's so much in this game that you take now as like being a modern thing like that you know that's it like this game is so in-depth and it's like hold on they were doing this back then yeah and it's just and everything was so well done like every character you had a bit of backstory to it's like not one character was neglected all of them had their time to shine basically and you learn a little bit more about them because i remembered you'd have to do certain side quests for them to get their final limit breaks yes and stuff like that so that was like a nice little mechanic to be like you're still doing this but you're still getting something out of it as well and i think that like for me and i've only played the start of the game and that's just because like i always used to give it a go so i was like oh my god i really want to play final fantasy 7 and i always got to this point where i just stopped playing it because i just wasn't old enough to really appreciate it like and be able to get into it and i think now like potentially it could just at times be too aged for me and stuff like that but i probably could get into it now i just think there's just so much coming out you know with like new games and everything that just sort of get in the way so i'm going to try and get remake done and we'll do a, a podcast on remake which i can't wait to do as well um but like (laughs) something that particularly stands out to me or stood out to me when I played it is that like every interaction feels real and feels like, like the way that it's written is so much like, even when you're talking like to Avalanche and everything at the start, it just feels so like conversation is really natural. And you know how like, yeah, Mm. like, and it's like people are like cheeky and have personality, like even like, the smallest of people and i think that's what makes like any kind of open world like amazing and fantastic like any kind of rpg is if like the world and the characters and you know even just the passerbys and like you know like shop clerks and everything like they're believable and they like are self-contained and they like have like like this kind of um yeah like it's all believable it's all kind of like oh you know that's totally how that person would act or like you know people being cheeky or people having like you know, just personality rather than being like yeah. you know you know like a um like skyrim copy and paste yeah <laughs> not to yeah not yeah. to be about on that but you know like yeah like you say every npc it wasn't yeah you weren't like it. talking to the same one it yeah was... that's it exactly like it, it was like you know you can go to white run or anywhere else in skyrim and like you know the guards and everyone they they are very like um there's there's almost something and although you can again apply a lo- apply a load of your own imagination to it but like they are kind of removed and the say mm-hmm. say the same things and all this kind of stuff rather than the different places you can go in Final Fantasy VII and stuff or the different characters you talk to all feel like individuals and they feel like mm-hmm. they've been really like there's just so much care there's so much care that's gone into this game that's just like you know it's that's why there's so much like emotional attachment to it from everyone who's played it because mm-hmm. it's like you end up like having those like like moments where and i think that another game that that is like it's not in any way in the same mold as final fantasy 7 but i played night in the woods which is a fantastic like side scrolling game in okay. which you in which you play as a cat that's gone to uni 
and goes back to this it like his hometown like you're a girl that's gone to uni comes back to her hometown and it's like a great like returning home story and stuff that ends up going like really deep and stuff but like it's all text-based as well where like it, oh, okay. it has this like it allows you to apply personalities to things and when you can write stuff there's a certain way that like things are written that there's like a there's sarcasm and you know like mm. that's what like in final fantasy 7 as well like and i think that's what reminds me so much of it is that like when i played oh, yeah. when i played night of the woods because i was just like there's sarcasm and there's like cheeky dialogue options and like all these different things that just like give it this like flavor and spice yeah. and personality at every junction which is cool um and the only other thing that you mentioned that I just want to stop off at is like limit breaks are like one of the coolest things in any video game I've ever watched. Like I used to get generally like, like genuinely excited. Fun. Yeah, like my like I'd be like, oh my god, he's, he's close, he's so close. I was like, so, like I was such a little kid that so my brother like, oh my god, he's so close to his limit break, and then I'd be like, and yes, then the bar would yeah. turn rainbow, yeah. and you're like, it's my time to shine. Yeah, and it's cool because it like it embodies that like. Like, oh, I can't, like, you know, it's like I, I've reached, like, a point of no return of, like, I need to, like, you know, go double hard now to, mm. like, be able to get through it and be able to, like, you know, like, unleash this, like, another level of beast within them and stuff. And it's like, oh, it's such a cool mechanic, you know? So It cool. was really good because it also kind of gave you the feel that they they are getting stronger because yeah. the stronger your character would get, the more different limit breaks you'd have access to. Yeah. And to, you got to like level four, which was like their ultimate finisher move basically. But it was yep. just like, yes, they're getting powerful. And it's like, it gets to a point where like, we're basically gods. I can go through here and kill anything. Yeah. But like, nice round table like you said and like any of any of their limit breaks were just really really good and they had that really cool animation to each one where it was like you mm. know the standard hits would just be like like you kind of go forward and yeah. like hit them or whatever or it would just be like a slash and then suddenly there plays this whole like animation that used to make you just feel so cool you know it was like a roller coaster for me i used to love watching it but i used to like literally feel like and then it like, does that thing where it flashes and everything and everything about it is like i like the fact that it's almost like you have to take punishment to get there as well yeah and stuff and then like that you'd like as a mechanic you'd have different moments where you'd be like oh right i've just used cloud's limit break and now like you know eris is getting close and all that kind of stuff and you're kind of monitoring mm. it as you go and stuff which is really really cool but yeah what like just just on on the cuff like what like stands out to you about limit breaks or about the combat one of my favorite limit breaks was tifa's purely because of how they presented it because hers came in the format of like a roulette machine so it was like the pokey kind of yeah, yeah. thing and you'd you'd have to like once you get to a certain point you'd have like maybe have to cycle through seven of them and you'd have to stop them at a certain time and it would be like hit 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 or miss yeah, and depending yeah. on what you did you would miss <laughs> out on like a stage of her limit break if you like got a miss so yeah. hers was fun i just love the turn-based combat i know people hate on it it's something some people don't really like in a game but mm -hmm. I, it's just something that's very nostalgic to me so when i see it in new games i'm just like oh this is so good i love turn-based yeah but just because it just gives you that moment to be like all right like you said like eris about to have a limit but we're still pretty good so i might not use it now yeah, i might yeah. get her to use some magic i might get her <laughs> an attack defend like it gives you that time to strategize and it's i get like 
high paced like oh that they in a real battle they wouldn't let you wait kind of thing but you know this is a game yeah it's cool i'm allowed to strategize that that was what really struck me because like like i said this this is probably my earliest memories of video games is this game it's my earliest memories of like other than like sonic and stuff like that that like Mm. it's like my earliest memories of like really watching something and and it like it's so like deeply seeded in my mind of like I love everything about it. I love all of the, like, the individual memories, the sounds and everything. And, like, the turn-based combat is something that, like, I guess it's always, like, everything is subjective, isn't it? Everything's, like, depends mm. on what your influence is. Like, people are always going to be, like, you know, that th- I know people now who would be, like, oh, I just love Sonic. Or, like, Sonic's just, like, but it really is because they experienced it as a child, so they have, like, a deep emotional connection to Sonic or whatever. That, like, mm. that's where, like, that the, even the turn-based combat, like, when I played Pokemon, for the first time, oh, yeah, this yeah, just yeah. just this past year, I was like, I love it. I love the turn based combat. I love the fact that I'm like, you know, I can do these different things and I can I can like, you know, it feels like you know, like and in the same way you can Dynamax in the Poke in the latest Pokemon. Which, oh, yeah. like, f- which feels like a limit break. You know, it's like, right, I'm gonna make it I'm gonna make it huge and do this thing and like, you know, it's it's like but it would call me back to that. And I'm not sure I'd probably be in the same boat as other people if I hadn't watched my brother play it so much and had that kind of like, I don't know, it's like, oh, it was just so fun to watch. And I just, mm. just love it. And then, like, you know, when people went down and stuff and you'd be like struggling and it's just, oh, it was just so cool to watch. I love it. I used to like literally, I used to like stand in the front room and pretend to be Cloud and pretend I was getting hit and then pretend it was my <laughs> go. All that kind of stuff, you know? <laughs> I need a potion, help me. Yeah. yeah, literally. Like, and I'd be like, right, okay. Like, and I'd like, you know, do the little, the little flinch he does where he's like, Hur! and then I'd be like, <laughs> and then I'd pretend it was my go. So I'm like, you know, <laughs> crazy. Just don't hit the TV, but you can yeah, attack it. Yeah, fine. literally, <laughs> literally. Um, but yeah, so I, I just wanted to. I think something that we we haven't spoken about um, is Barrett and his story, um, especially his daughter. Is that something mm. that particularly like resonated with you, or did you not really connect with Barrett as much? I enjoyed Barrett because it, like you said, he was he's de- depicted as like this big manly man, and he's just all business and doesn't care. But then, like when you take him back to Seventh Heaven, and Marlene comes out and greets him, and he, it just melts away, and he's just like this wholesome father that just wants to do well yeah by his daughter but also throughout the game you know like you learn about his backstory and why he's so connected to Marlene because Marlene's not really his daughter Mm. it's his friend's daughter who he felt responsible for his death yeah so he's like I'm gonna protect Marlene but then they also play into um they play into that because you find out throughout the game like people like oh there's a guy with a gun for an arm Mm. going killing people and everyone thinks it's the barrett and like everyone's like what what are you doing but it's not him and then you slowly start to realize that it's his friend who didn't die but he's like he's pretty much gone rogue and he's gone a bit crazy that's crazy and then there's that whole arc there and you just learn how like barrett has this code and how he stands by it and just the sort of character that he is Another in-depth one. It's just like it's just so good, like how they just have that for each character. Yeah, they have that like that complete depth. For mm. Each character. It's cool. It's cool. I just wanted to know whether it was just something that that sat with you because I know for a lot of people it does. You know, that I was spoken to about Final Fantasy VII, that particularly Barrett and stuff. Like I guess it's the same thing where it's like, and you've played God of War, right? 
Yeah. Where it's like, you know, it's it's that like Kratos dad, you know, like a manly man. And when there is like a manly man that feels emotion and stuff, it really does kind of hit, you know, mm. stuff, um, which is cool. Because he like, he was never really afraid to show that side when he was with Marlene, but he'd be yes. quick to be like don't make a big deal about this like yeah. it's or I'm doing something yeah, yeah. too much. Like, it's, it's the classic kind of like apple of the dad's eye, you know, like a big tough mm. guy and then he has a daughter, but like she's like, you know, just breaks him down and turns him into like a marshmallow, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and then he's just like, oh, you're my angel. And then like look yeah. over the shoulder. It's like, don't you be watching me. <laughs> I'm not doing anything kind of thing. Yeah. yeah which is really, What stood really out cool. the most was Barrett though, because I only... I only found this out because I played the um, remastered um, that they recently brought out, but there's like a point system with the, the companions because before the whole thing goes down with Aerith, you go to Gold Saucer and you get stuck there. And like there's this whole little part where you go on like a date kind oh, of okay. with one of them. And I didn't realize that there's an actual point system to see who you'll get. Yeah. for that date because normally it would be either Aerith or Tifa but depending on your like your choices throughout the game you would get certain points with certain characters and one of the options was Barrett so when I got Barrett one time it was just such an interesting experience because he it was a whole different side to him because he's like oh let's go here and let's let's go look at this play and stuff like that. <laughs> I'm just like, what is happening? I normally do this with one of the girls. Yeah. I mean, I loved every minute of it, but seeing him just be like, nah, let's go out, man. Like, yeah. Like that's bros super cool. kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like let down his walls a bit or whatever. Basically. You know, a, he is that tough guy. Um, okay. So you had plenty written down and I just want to make sure that, that you feel as if you've, you've gone over the stuff you want to go over. So if there's anything else on your, on your notes or list or anything you particularly feel like you want to make sure that you've said or make sure that you've spoken about, then please, please fire away. Now, I'm pretty sure that's about it. Yeah. Uh, I think there was like, just to touch base on like the openness of it as well, because like I said, there was, there's kind of like those little challenges that they put in the game where it wasn't like a necessity for you to do mm -hmm. but at the same time like you wanted to do it be like I, I need to get powerful enough to defeat this thing because basically um they released the giant weapons on the world yeah and you defeat the diamond one that um goes to attack midgar that's the one that gets um shot by the you know, yeah, Shinra's, Shinra's big weapon, yeah. Mm. But, and then you also, there's the ultimate ultimate weapon that flies around, which you had to defeat with the high wing, mm. and that gave you Cloud's ultimate weapon. But there was two others, there was the ruby and emerald one, yep. that were kind of like, you had to go out of your way to find them, and they were just like a hefty fight. And I enjoyed that in the game because it was just like, you don't need to do this. It's not part of the game. Like to, like to of oh, the end story. You don't need to defeat them. You can finish the game without it. But it was just like gave you something to work towards. And I remember my brother trying to s s seek them out. <laughs> yeah, because cool. the red one was quite easy to find. The ruby one was pretty much like a little worm in the ground, and you're like, "What's that?" And then you crash into it, and like this giant ruby 
creature just emerges from the sand and you're like, whoops. But yeah. the green one, the emerald one, you'd had to go underwater. Yeah, I remember that. And <laughs> you had to find him. But what gave it more challenge was, I think the underwater one, you had a time limit for the battle. Because you would and- run out of breath. Basically, it, yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I, I, see, I should trust my memory more because I was literally sat there going, "I swear you go underneath the water to find one one time." Because <laughs> I remember the one in the desert, and then I was like, "I swear you go underwater," and then I didn't say it, and then you said it, and I was like, "Ah, I should trust myself more than I do," you know. <laughs> trust your instinct. It's just one of those things where you don't, you don't want to be on the podcast and be like, "Oh my god, remember the one in the water?" And you'd be like, "There wasn't one," and be like, "Oh, okay." Um, what? <laughs> um, yeah. actually, yeah, yeah, but <laughs> I, I, I love the concept as well of the the Shinra Power Corporation and, and then the, they are mm. they are sucking the life force down the planet which you know is so many metaphors for you know global warming or or whatever you want to sort of yeah put put to it that like you know that there is this nature and if you if you abuse it then it attacks you you know or it like it, and I think that weapons are it's so cool that like weapons are like you know almost forged by the planet to fight back and stuff it's cool natural like nature's meccas basically yeah that's it yeah yeah like natural disasters effectively aren't they you know um, basically and and it's just was... you know it's the moral of the overarching story mm. of the game which because because it's so it's so character like based this game but the overarching kind of like sucking the life force from the planet you know yeah and having to try and stop that is just is just cool, you know. I like the fact that like you know Avalanche are this this kind of like <laughs> you know um, little rebellious group that want to like rebel yeah. against this big corporation <laughs> and what they're doing and it's wrong and all that kind of stuff, you know. Basically, like eco terrorist. Yes, but that's it. Yeah, I like how they keep that theme throughout because it's just basically like Barrett was like, "See, told you. If this is what happens when you keep doing it, yeah." And then yeah. it just escalating from there and then them having to do more and more to save the planet basically yeah but also like i like the realization like shinra basically works with them at the end mm-hmm. they're like nope you're right like we've done messed up yeah P- please go settle like with the turks uh, like eventually they stop coming after you they're basically like you know what we're tired we don't want to fight you anymore yeah that's it and it's cool that they come to that realization you know, and it's like a good lesson that the game tries teaching of like, you know, regardless of what the life force is, just, you know, it doesn't have to be like fossil fuel or whatever. It could mm. just be that it's like, you know, just nature and how like you know, if you abuse it and stuff, it's not good. And that there is a balance between life and nature and you can't just, you know, suck it all up and use it and just go ahead. You know, it's cool. I like that. Uh, yeah, like pretty heavy undertones for like yeah, the game definitely. for its time. I like that, you know, mm. I like I like that. And it's cool that. That that they've you know managed to put that in there as well, um, and just like we, you said, it's not something like you appreciate at the time because of how young you are. But now yeah. looking back at it, you're like, wow, they really were taking a stand with this. Yeah, kind of... definitely. And that like you know, I think in so many ways that art is one of the best ways to kind of allow people to uh, like consume stuff. I know that like standing on a podium and saying, hey, you know, like we should do something about this, or you know, we should be better to the world or whatever is like. But it kind of falls on deaf ears. But when you like play something or like experience a story or like a movie mm. or something like that, where it's like it hits you harder because you emotionally mm. can resonate with it more and stuff. Um, and it's cool. It just gets you thinking, you know. Yeah, because um, you're essentially experiencing it through their eyes, and it's just yes. like, oh wow. Yeah, it's cool. Um, 
And is it? Do you want to stop off slightly just on like the mother and everything and that yeah. kind of aspect, if you like? I really liked Genova, like having seeing her designs. Like mm. it was always, uh, and her music as well. Yeah, um, like similar to Sethoros. As soon as you heard that play, you're like, oh, I'm about to fight Genova, aren't I? <laughs> and then it would happen, but learning about her and her relationship with Seth Roth and what Seth Roth was doing. Like that scene when he comes out of, when he like the realization and he's finally found Genova and like he rips off the, the angel covering of her like chest tube yeah, to find like the, like her body basically like barely intact and then taking her head and like walking down like a madman, like that scene like burnt into my memory. Cause it was just, chaotic and manic with how crazy Seth Ross was becoming mm. and learning about her and everything and just her connection to the whole story. Yeah. But fighting her as well, having her final form. Mm. It was a bit underwhelming, her fight, actually, cause, but other than that, it was just leading up to that part and being like, as well, yes, I'm about to get rid of, like, her for good because basically it was the same thing. Like, you'd fight essentially a part of her mm. but you didn't technically get rid of her because Seth Ross would be doing things behind the scenes. Yeah. But then when you did the big fight with her and you finally get rid of her, it was just, is Seth Ross going to be angry at me now? <laughs> yeah, 100%. I'm going to die. I remember my brother saying about that, saying about how, like, you know, that was really going to upset Seth Ross. Uh, but yeah, I, think, I didn't do it. I swear. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, um, he's not not the guy you want to piss off. But that's like, it. I think the the final thing that I particularly have to talk about is you know, and we've we've put it in here now and again, but but really, I have to say that the music of this game is something that is mm. not only it like it has a deep psychological and like emotional resonance with me where because it's so embroiled in my childhood and like even just the fight music and like everything you know like all of it i love it like i just love every single piece of music and how excellent even just going around the towns and stuff like it's just it's so so good and like for its time like I just think it's one that it's, it still is just, I listen to it at work and stuff when I'm just like dialed into sites and stuff. I just, I still listen to it to just, cause it forever, no matter what, there's so many emotions that come with each piece as well that like the memories and everything, it's just such a fantastic soundtrack, you know? Yeah. The, um, like the victory fanfare, like that, like, just, da, 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 yeah. and then you just <laughs> be like, yay. Or, yeah. Like the flower girl piece mm -hmm. that, like Eris theme, and then yeah. there was the high wing theme is essentially Sid's theme that yeah. resonated as well because it was just like so upbeat, so like aviator kind of vibes. It's mm -hmm. just none of them, none of them had like repetition like some game music does. It, yeah, each one, each piece basically felt very catered to either the situation yep. or the character. Because you know how in some games you think, oh, this music's pretty good, but 
it just feels like music being played over a scene. It doesn't really feel like it fits well with it. Whereas in Final Fantasy, I felt like pretty much every piece of music fit well with either the, the scenario that was playing out to being attached to like a character being there certain yeah thing. And, and it's just like it's attached to like emotion as well and it just suits mm. and feels great and it and for a game that like you know in so many ways like artistically is dated and old and like even at the time is like you know it doesn't give you a great deal of detail that like the music gives it this extra depth and extra um like it gives it extra layers of like like i said that that scene regardless of even if you watch it now with the old blocky PlayStation 1 and graphic characters, that it hits that scene with Eris and stuff, mm. you know, because it plays the music so beautifully and it has something that, that I think any great score has, like Lord of the Rings or anything that, that like, it just has just emotion. It's, like, really emotional. Yeah. And, it like, albeit, like, it makes you feel sorrow or it makes you feel excitement or it makes you feel all different things, you know? Like even just when it's like, like that, 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 that sense like, of urgency. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, I need to get out. And it's like, oh god! And like, you, it really like makes you feel those things at the time. And like, like I say, it makes you feel the magnitude or the fear and the and the the presence and the excellence and the majesty of Sephiroth. And then like at the same time, it's just got these quiet beautiful moments of like you know just a simple the simple piano rift of eris and everything and just how mm. that can just be so full of emotion as well and uh like the orchestral remake as well for for the remake oh. which i'm sure we'll talk about again when we when, we'll definitely talk about the soundtrack when mm. i play yes. the final fantasy 7 remix i'm really excited to see what they like how they incorporate that and everything but like it's just it's really really just a beautiful beautiful game with beautiful excellent timeless nostalgic music i don't know if you remember like there's one that specifically stands out and it's like linked to sephiroth and it wasn't like his theme but it was kind of like it played whenever something like sephiroth had been there it was kind of like that really decrepit kind of it seemed like a violin but then like you'd get that heartbeat Mm. in it as well and i just remember every time that it would play i just feel so anxious just yeah, like yeah. he's been here but is he still here and <laughs> yeah. yeah it's just like that emotion that the music is able to invoke at the time either though it's just so simple it's just yeah. such a like there's all there's emotions linked to every one of them and you can just hear it and you just be like yep i know where that's from i know which scene that's been played from i know pretty much yeah most of them like if i was to like listen to it on youtube it'd be like yeah, yeah that's definitely and, and, thing. And, and it takes you to those places as well mm. like and that's what's so great like about, about any score in anything whether it's film or whether it's wherever like the second you hear like the march of the rotherium or something like you just imagine like you know exactly where you were in the movie and stuff but like mm. there's this like it takes you to those places but for me just personally and emotionally and like it takes me to my childhood it takes me to my Mm. brother's room it takes me to this place where i was allowed into my brother's room to watch him play that but before that because i was young you know he was he was you know in his teens and everything he just wanted to like you know do his own thing so his annoying little brother would you know (laughs) just you know it would annoy him just to have me around because i'd always be like or whatever but like (laughs) it, it was just it's like it takes me to this place where like going into my brother's room was like this great beyond 
that I wasn't allowed into very often. And when I was, it was like the most exciting thing in the whole world. And like, <laughs> you're letting me into your yeah, room. That's oh my it. God. And, and then I'd like come in and watch him play games. And like, I've watched him play loads of games over time and stuff like, you know, doom and like all kinds of different things. But like mm. the, the, that game particularly was like my first early memories. And really is probably the reason we're here now, because yeah. it's like, it, it has that depth to me where it's like, Final Fantasy VII and its soundtrack and its gameplay and how cool the characters were and everything. And I will eventually at some point complete it, I expect. Um, and I'm definitely going to complete the remake. But, like, it has this... like I th- It's, like, my entrance into gaming. And it was, like, what yeah. made me fall in love. It made me want to play it real bad. It made me want to, like, pick up a control and, and you know because my brother was always a gamer and stuff although he's like you know he's got three kids now and stuff and you know doesn't really have time to do it as much but like i just remember thinking like there was just nothing cooler to me than like playing games that's and, it uh, and that like that's like it's just so powerful now because what i've managed to achieve and what, what the people i've met through gaming yourself like now like like how mm. amazing this 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 um these products are these like these toys these worlds these these um amazing experiences that we can have that we can like have conversations with people who's across the whole globe and resonate with them and feel like you know them via these amazing products you know um and i think that it's just it's so fantastic to me that this game particularly will always be so close to my heart and so deep in my memory that it takes me back to that time takes me back to that time where i was just a you know bright-eyed bushy-tailed kid that like this was like the most epic and amazing thing ever because i could only see in small doses and i was only allowed in for a bit and you know it always has that depth to me (laughs) yeah because at the time it's just like essentially like watching an interactive movie and it was just like oh what choice are you gonna make you're gonna go here it's like what are you gonna do now yeah but Seven is that one because whenever you ask someone whether if they aren't a Final Fantasy fan, it mm-hmm. they don't really they go, Oh, I've seen seven, but when you speak to Final Fantasy fans, the majority of them are like, No, seven's my favorite, seven's yeah, like yeah. the standout yeah. from the whole series. Yeah, and sure. was well, one of the best, it games just ever resonates. Made. Yeah, that's, that's it, that's one of the things, and yeah, it, it's just I think that like that's what really stuck with me is it like I always like i love movies i think movies are great i love books i think books are great i think that you know uh, art is amazing but the mm. video games for me just always have been my favorite way to consume a story or my favorite way to to like i don't know experience art or media and yeah. like that's why like i knew almost at that age that, like that was like my favorite way like if you said to me do you want to watch a movie or watch my fantasy 7 i'd be like Final fantasy 7 you know like i just want yeah. to watch it you know because it was so cool um but yeah uh cool we'll 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 wrap it up i guess it's as sad as it is because it's it's like yeah it's literally there's so much you could possibly talk about with this game that like you know there probably would be five podcasts and you still wouldn't be able to talk about enough because you're talking at like 100 hours plus probably of of gameplay in this you know um but i like to sort of round it off with if you had to describe final fantasy 7 and what it means to you in three words what would it be (sighs) Three words, ooh. Really hitting it here. Um, just like in general, like to round up the game? or Yeah, like I, I'll go first. Like mine okay. would be nostalgia, 
um oh yeah 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 emotion mm. and adventure oh those are good that that would be my three and I'd, i would possibly add on as well like brotherhood for me just because it was yes. like something that connected me and my brother in that way and i really like love that and we still share that connection to this day uh i would probably yeah nostalgia is definitely mm-hmm. one that hits discovery i feel like yeah great one that yeah it's just because that it was literally i'd played like mario and um sonic and all that before that but this was like my (laughs) first real like story heavy based game Mm -hmm. first game that had more than one disc rocks to look under (laughs) basically and yeah adventure it was just such a it was such a timeless story and like journey to go through Mm. because it even though you played it so many times it's just and you know what's going to happen it's still as if you're learning like you're going through it for the very first time because of just how well done it is and just the replayability of it is so good like now it's a bit dated with graphics but i feel like if you played it back then you can still appreciate it for the nostalgic yeah value but yeah and amazing and, and uh I have to say, of course, that we will be doing uh, a podcast on the Final Fantasy VII remake. Um, yeah. or at least I hope we will. Um, and the you know, once I'm through it, we'll, we'll get on and, and have a good chat about that as well. And I have to Definitely. say that it's been a complete pleasure having you on. It's been Thank amazing you. being able to to meet you and hear you and hear how much knowledge and how much of an emotional attachment you have to this game. It's amazing. Um, it's and been a bit I, surreal, like yeah. yeah, being able to do this. Like you're across <laughs> like the other side of the world, and yeah, to be able to speak to you and just bond over this. It's been a really nice little moment. So thank yeah, you for having sure. me. Yeah, it's been amazing, and I can't wait to have you on again. And you're welcome back anytime, Talia. You're amazing. Thank you. And I have to say that as well. On top, just just as a little extra thing, I think that like, um, that there's something that particularly of yourself, like I I just happen to see that that the, the I think in all of my experiences in the world and in gaming, especially in the Instagram community, that's so, um, I think, just lovely. Like, they're so caring and nice to each other. And there's something that, like, I think that you should be really proud of yourself because you are, Aww. like, a real, like, you're a real shining light of, like, just positivity. And you, and you, you I don't think you quite realize at times how much, how lovely you are to people and how much of a difference you make in people's lives. Like, even there's been times, even when I'm, like, having a bad day where I'll see you comment something lovely or you'll put lovely posts up and be really positive and stuff. And that's just great that you spread that like great energy and positivity to the world and stuff, you know, by we Oh, Ryan, my heart. What are you, <laughs> what are you doing to me? <laughs> oh, yeah, you're amazing. Just, thank yeah, you. I just wanted to say just thank you for that and keep, keep oh, up. Bless you know? you. It's amazing. <laughs> but yes, this has been um, Games of Lost Ark. This has been Talia. This has been myself. This has been Final Fantasy VII. What mm-hmm. a game. Um, I wish <laughs> so bad I could use the music in this because I would like play little snippets of the music and stuff and I'm not sure if I can. I'm going to desperately look up whether I'm going to get in trouble for it. But um, Maybe just yeah. like find a butchered version. Yeah, of it. like so hey, I'll just like... Lo-fi. Get a, uh, so I grab a keyboard real quick and just start... Like, <laughs> da, da, da. 
know, like Ryan this, original. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll just sing the bits, you know, and just pop pop them in there, you know. Um, but yeah, I, not that I didn't already. I gave it a couple goes, <laughs> didn't I? Um, but yeah, this this has been amazing, and thank you so much, everybody, for listening. And you will yeah. catch us in the next one. So thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you again for listening to another pixie gaming podcast uh, whichever one it was you chose to listen to today we are pixie podcast on twitter pixie podcast on instagram pixie gaming podcast on facebook and pixie gaming podcast on youtube and our website is www.pixiepodcast.co.uk thank you so much for listening you're all a bunch of legends and uh, here's a little outro music so enjoy